Show Me the State is sponsored by Billiards on Broadway, located in downtown Columbia, Missouri. They are family-friendly and home of the famous Billiards Burger. Fresh ground beef, hand-pattied every day, and fresh-cut fries, hand-sliced every day. And Molly's award-winning chili. Billiards has 12 rotating taps showcasing outstanding Missouri craft beers and 11 of the finest pool tables in mid-Missouri. Billiards on Broadway, a Missouri staple for 11 years. Billiards on Broadway, love at first bite. The following account is based on a true story. Jefferson City, 1895. John Bothwell promised it wouldn't be sloppy this time. But Jonas Ferguson remembers that day in the State House of Representatives in 1891 because it was a total mess. O'Hawkins introduced a measure to move the state capital to Sedalia. Then the carnage started. No, someone said, let's move it to Boonville. No, Rolla. At one point, someone even suggested moving it to an old fur trading town that doesn't even exist anymore because it was built in a floodplain. It got tabled, and a few days later, the House voted it down. Ferguson voted against it, too. The capital would stay in Jefferson City. But Bothwell pushed back. It's been four years since then. Things have changed. He promised this time it would be quick, and it would pass. They had a plan. But they needed to know they had Ferguson's vote. Bothwell said, look around you. This crummy old building is about to fall over. It's got no character. This old square brick thing. The ventilation in here is terrible. Things have only gotten worse in the last four years. And Jefferson City is only falling further behind. It doesn't even have a bridge to get over the river, let alone a railroad. Sedalia's got four railroads that go right into town. And Ferguson, you're about to turn 60. Think about how much easier it would be to get to the capital. It's just a short train ride from Odessa to Sedalia. But could Ferguson really trust this Republican? Don't worry, Bothwell said. It's bipartisan. Charles Yader, a Democrat, is going to be the one to sponsor it in the Senate. And he's already got a veto-proof majority on his side. Bothwell said, look, Jeff City is dying. Sedalia is thriving. It's three times as big as Jeff City. We've got better food, better booze, better roads. Let's move Missouri forward and let this town die a peaceful death. And don't you want to be on the winning side, Ferguson? Don't forget, Miller beat you in 92. Don't want that to happen again in 96, do you? Bothwell said, just be ready tomorrow. February 20th is going to be an important day in this state's history. Welcome to Show Me the State, the program where we explore the strange, misunderstood stories of Missouri's past and try to figure out what really happened, why did it happen, and how has that shaped the state today? I'm Christopher Husted. You're listening to Show Me the State on KBIA 91.3 FM. You can find these episodes on KBIA.org and wherever you get your podcasts. Okay, back to the show. Sedalia is in west-central Missouri, an hour and a half drive from Kansas City. 
It sits at the intersection of state highways 50 and 65. It's the Pettis County seat, and it has a population of a little more than 21,000. So it's not small and it's not that big. In the town's early history, there was a lot of effort put into making this town relevant. Two of the people who know the most about the town's history will be helping us out today. I'm Rhonda Chalfant. I earned a PhD from MU in 2005. Uh, my focus was local history, specifically prostitution in Sedalia in the 19th century. I am now president of the Pettis County Historical Society. I write a weekly history column for the Sedalia Democrat. My name is Bob Pretty. I'm a retired State House reporter for the Missouri Net, and I'm president of the State Historical Society, and I've written two books so far about the state capitol, and I'm working on a third that is the history of the capitol. So before we jump to the capitol, tell me a little bit about Sedalia in the late 1800s. What kind of community was it? It's a wide open community. Sedalia was laid out in 1860, which is about 35 years after Jefferson City was founded. And by, by the time 1870 rolled around, it had 35% more people than, than Jefferson City did. Uh, by the time 1890 rolled around, it was almost triple the size of Jefferson City. Fun fact, Sedalia wasn't always called Sedalia. Its original name had been Sedville. Why the change? The A-L-I-A ending sounded much more urbane and cosmopolitan, <laughs> as it really does. <laughs> Sedalia does sound better than Sedville. The more sophisticated name may have been an attempt to make up for some of the things that happened there. It was a normal town during the daylight hours. People went to their work, they went to their churches, they went to their schools. But once the sun went down and the streetlights came on, it was a wide open town of gambling and prostitution and all kinds of things going on. So it was a, a pretty wild town, and it was a very aggressive town as it grew. Railroad access is what helped it grow. Sedalia sat at the intersection of not two, not three, but four railroads. Because of that, Sedalia was a wholesale trading center as well as a retail trading center. The city was very, at that time, proactive. Let's see what we can do. The one person who really embodied that proactive spirit got off a train from southern Illinois in the early 1870s. Like many others who chose to settle in Sedalia, John Bothwell had heard it was an up-and-coming town, and he wanted to build a life and legacy there. Could you give me, paint me a little more of a picture of uh, John Bothwell? Very distinguished gentleman. Uh, White hair, mustache. Most of the photographs we have are of him as an older gentleman. Seems kind of average in size. Uh, his friends just called him Homer. That was his middle name. And didn't um, seem to be very awed by him. He was a very unassuming person. Unassuming, but forceful in his enthusiasm for Sedalia. He was very much philanthropic. Helped establish the local hospital. It's still there, known today as the Bothwell Regional Health Center. Helped build the major hotel in Sedalia at the time, the Hotel Bothwell. Also still there today. Bothwell was interested in education to the extent that he built on a piece of his land a schoolhouse because he realized that there were a couple of creeks that surrounded his land and when the creeks were up the kids couldn't get to school. So he built a school and built a house for the teacher right behind the school. If every community had a John Bothwell, every community would probably thrive. Very much a worker in favor of Sedalia, making Sedalia better, 
getting Sedalia on the map. He's most known now for the house he built. Bothwell gave his house to the state after he died. It's a popular state park site now. Bothwell was Sedalia's biggest cheerleader, and Sedalia needed one as it tried multiple times to become more than just the town with four railroads. In the 18, early 1870s, uh, they wanted to be the home of one of the state's first state normal schools, teacher colleges that were being established. They lost out to Warrensburg and Kirksville on that. Those teachers' colleges grew into state schools, the University of Central Missouri and Truman State University. That worked out pretty well for Warrensburg and Kirksville and shaped what those towns are like today. Sedalia was very angry, felt cheated. So walk me through that a little bit. Um, what, what, what's the significance of getting that school at your location in your town? You became the site of a state institution. A state institution would put Sedalia on the map. It would draw people to the city and improve the economy. It would give the place a specific identity as more than just a trading center. Once Sedalia decided it wanted a state institution, it was relentless. In the 1870s, Sedalia proposed that it become the site of the State School for the Blind. This effort didn't lead anywhere. But they also proposed that they become the site of a state inebriate asylum, a rehabilitation center for alcoholics, we would call it today. But that didn't work out either. But it didn't phase Sedalia. In fact, the town started aiming higher. In 1892, after the main building on the MU campus burned, Sedalia proposed that Sedalia become the site of the state university, that was, MU move. Right, was that ever actually uh, something that was logistically possible because it burned to move the location instead of rebuilding? Sedalia thought so. A chandelier in Academic Hall started an electric fire that left behind only the six columns that are now an MU icon. The rest of the administrative building burned to the ground, and the future of the university was up in the air. And that was when Sedalia and several other places decided they were going to try to get the University of Missouri away from Boone County. They thought, ah, oh, this was our chance. This is our chance. Yeah, this is it. So the Missouri House of Representatives voted on a university removal bill that fell two votes short of going to the Senate. The university stayed in Columbia, and Sedalia was back to square one. So they'd lost out on the normal schools. They'd lost out on the University of Missouri. What's next? state capital. The state capital was the golden goose of state institutions. Sedalia had been trying to get it moved to their town since the late 1870s, and missing out on all these other opportunities only made Sedalia more ambitious. Sedalia was a very boosterish town. Lots of civic boosters who continually exaggerated the population and exaggerated Sedalia's qualities, positive qualities. Sedalia's biggest booster, John Bothwell, had become a member of the state legislature by the early 1890s, and he began concocting a plan. Getting other lawmakers on board was phase one. We've already talked about that. Phase two is what Bob calls the ambush, the day Bothwell thought would change Missouri history. On the morning of February 20th, 1895, a train pulled into the station in Jefferson City that's just a couple of blocks below the Capitol. And it was a, an eastbound train from Sedalia. And Sedalia people started getting off that train. This was in the pre-dawn hours. Were these just 
community members? Were they legislators? They were, they were mobilized people from Sedalia who were there to get the capital. Jefferson City had no idea that, that Sedalia had mobilized and was invading the town. And so when the legislature went into session that morning... 10 o'clock to be exact. John Bothwell got up and introduced a resolution. A resolution for a statewide vote in November 1896 on moving the capital to Sedalia. As the reading clerk read it, it hit everybody exactly what was going on. And especially Jefferson City people were stunned. Bothwell's next move stuns them even more. Bothwell moved that the rules be suspended, no hearings be held, that they go immediately to a vote on the resolution. Wow, has that ever been done? Well, very rarely is anything like that done. Bothwell's motion is met with cheers from most of the House. The resolution passes within an hour. Word spreads quickly throughout Jefferson City. The Commercial Club, the 19th century version of the Chamber of Commerce, holds an emergency meeting at noon. They're hoping to organize the townspeople and block the resolution in the state Senate. But they don't move fast enough to beat the state senator from Sedalia, Charles Yader. The bill came up in the Senate. He also moved that the rules be suspended and they have an immediate vote, and bang, it was done by 3 o'clock. So House and Senate. The House and Senate approved it within a matter of five hours. And they approve it overwhelmingly. 91 to 40 in the House, 26 to 7 in the Senate. And yes, Jonas Ferguson of Odessa voted in favor of it this time around. Needless to say, the people of Sedalia are ecstatic. They thought they had the capital. They thought, we finally got what we want. We got the statewide vote, and we're going to get the capital away from Jefferson City. The day after the resolution passes, the Sedalia Evening Democrat publishes the headline, Here it comes, the capital now en route to the Prairie Queen. Sedalia liked to call itself that, or the Queen City. But 20 months go by between the passing of the resolution and the 1896 election. And 20 months is a long time, long enough for Jefferson City to get its act together. Jefferson City makes its case by building a bridge across the Missouri River. Suddenly, there's a connection between Jeff City and two railroads north of the river. Up goes the bridge, and down goes Sedalia's major talking point that Jeff City is inaccessible by train. Jefferson City also paves its streets. It improves its buildings, its water system, and its schools. Sedalia counters by pledging money for a $600,000 bond for a new building and raises those funds in less than two years. And they do that in spite of the nationwide economic depression of 1893 and the collapse of a local bank the following year. They want the capital that badly. Several organizations, ladies groups, Uh, held suppers to help raise money or strawberry festivals to help raise money. Uh, The ladies in town created a ladies' auxiliary to the capital removal effort to help raise money. Lots of people made $10 contributions. Which is a lot of money then. That was. Sedalia's so focused on its own advancement that some people are probably oblivious to any objections to capital removal. The editorial pages of Sedalia's two newspapers, The Capitol and The Democrat, are so full of support for capital removal that if you only read the pages, you'd think the entire state wanted the capital to move. They regularly printed editorials of their own and from other cities that supported it, and the newspapers in Jefferson City pushed back. Both sides called each other names. Sedalia called Jefferson City Sleepy Hollow and a characterless old fogey town. 
One editorial in the state Republican of Jefferson City called supporters of capital removal scheming scoundrels of sedalia. The word scheme pops up a lot in the state Republican. It seems like the paper's favorite word to describe capital removal. Even when the newspapers weren't name-calling, they were just arguing nonstop. There is no question whatsoever that the voting down of the capital removal scheme will be the greatest thing that has ever occurred for Jefferson City. The state Republican of Jeff City. Mr. Charles Fields of this city offers to bet $100 that Sedalia will win in the capital removal contest by a 25,000 vote majority. Here is a chance for some deluded resident of Jefferson City to drop his role. The Sedalia Democrat. The Sedalia Capital Removal Company is advertising for experienced hustlers to sell their fake bonds. For fake town, Sedalia will soon be given the blue ribbon. It is merely a matter of sentiment when you say, poor old Jefferson, what will become of her if you take away the capital? Why, she will settle down to her proper level and will have quite enough to take care of all that's left, the state penitentiary. This is a humbug, a buck-headed scheme for the sucker element of Missouri. A lot of the uh, back and forth here seems not unlike politics today. <laughs> uh, it seems very much like politics today. And I wonder how many people read the op-ed page then and took those editorials as news rather than opinion pieces. It's no coincidence that one of Sedalia's papers is called Capital. Sedalia embarks on an aggressive marketing campaign identifying itself as the future capital of Missouri. Sedalians got on board to the extent that their baseball team called itself the future capitals. <laughs> the term future capital pops up in advertisements. Buy your goods at the future capital. And Annie Ingram, one of Sedalia's prostitutes on West Main Street, named her brothel the future capital hotel. I mean, that's just, you know runs the entire range of everyone in every industry mm -hmm. believing that this is a, this is possible this is and a done this deal is, mm -hmm. right this is happening yes the future capital mm -hmm. from baseball teams to brothels that's right <laughs> so for a year and eight months there are two simultaneous efforts happening 60 miles apart sedalia's self-promotion and jefferson city's self-improvement finally election day is here Hang tight. We'll be right back. You're listening to Show Me the State on KBIA 91.3 FM. Check out our other podcasts, The Obvious Question and The True False Podcast on KBIA.org or wherever you get your podcasts. Okay, back to the show and the Sedalia Steals the Capital story. What would Jefferson City look like today had Sedalia not challenged it for the uh, location of the Capitol? Well... If, if Sedalia had won that election, Jefferson City would probably be, might kind of be Boonville. Boonville is on the Missouri River, an hour northwest of the capital, population 8,300. It wouldn't be much of a town today. It would just be another little town um, on a crossroads of some highways there. No offense, Boonville. If Jefferson City hadn't been at risk of losing the capital, Bob says it probably wouldn't have shaped up. But it's trying to make a point in what little time it has before the statewide vote. To prove that it was a legitimate city. Uh, to prove that it wasn't just a town that was basically living off state government. 
And that was another one of the knocks. Jefferson City was, was just a government town and had no ambition. Well, now it does. Sedalia's challenge gives Jefferson City the ambition to keep the capital. November 3rd, 1896 comes around, and the mayor of Sedalia orders every business in town to stay closed so that every man can get out and vote for capital removal. It's the quietest election Sedalia ever had, according to the Sedalia Democrat. The paper says early results favor Sedalia. Quote, in tomorrow's issue of this paper, we will be able to give the welcome news of a glorious victory. So Sedalia waits. The next day, the Democrats' headline reads, the prospects look a little blue. The day after, it reads, we were beaten. And beaten soundly. 65% of Missourians vote against capital removal. It wins only 18 of the state's 114 counties. Rhonda says Sedalia is blindsided. They're unhappy, exceedingly unhappy. They I imagine they're surprised, too. Very. Sedalia's ambition has led to statewide embarrassment. But the Evening Democrat wrote on November 9, 1896, Sedalia is as strong and as enterprising now as she was two weeks ago. We have lost no natural advantages by reason of the defeat of the capital removal amendment. Sedalia is bruised, but not broken, and its desire for a state institution doesn't die. It just stops drawing attention to itself. Three years later, in 1899, Missouri proposes a state fair, and Sedalia decides to throw its hat in the ring once more. They do it very quietly this time. Oh, they learned something. They don't make a splash. The other cities had been very vocal that they were going to try to be the site of the state fair. What are the other cities that are? Chillicothe, Marshall, Moberly, Centralia, Mexico. Six possible locations for the state fair spread throughout rural mid-Missouri. Unsurprisingly, John Bothwell spearheaded the effort on the part of Sedalia. He's, he's all over this. He is. The legislature's state fair committee visits each candidate's city and gets a warm welcome. And each of these communities dines them and entertains them and gives them souvenirs. Centralia does not wine them. Centralia was a prohibitionist town. The committee members come and they are treated nicely in Sedalia as they were in all of the other cities. After Sedalia is chosen the site of the state fair, Centralia says it's because they didn't serve wine. The other cities say, well, it was a done deal. We knew Sedalia was going to get it. In part because Sedalia had labeled its county fair the state fair mm. back in the 1870s. And when Sedalia was named the site of the actual state fair, the other communities were upset. Met a woman from Moberly a few years ago who said, oh, yeah, you all got the fair and we didn't. And there was something squirrely about that. <laughs> Is this like an honorable mention type of a gift? It could be seen in that way. I like to think of it. It, it got a consolation prize when the state government said, we'll let you have a state fair. But Rhonda, who lives in Sedalia, doesn't feel that way. The state fair has been raking in money for Sedalia for more than a century. I think Sedalia came out on top. The first Missouri State Fair was in 1901, on the same land that had been set aside for a new Capitol building. So when you go to the state fair, you're going to Sedalia's Capitol site. The optimistic view of where the, <laughs> that community thinks it should have been. Yeah. Whatever it could have or should have been, 
the fairgrounds have grown from 20 acres in 1901 to almost 400 today. Attendance in 2018 was almost 341,000. One of the fair's main goals is agricultural education, and it's the largest ag showcase in the state. And the fairgrounds aren't just for the fair every August. They're in use all year round for weddings, RV rallies, rodeos, livestock shows, motorsports, and more. If expectations for the fair were high in the beginning, they've definitely surpassed them. How did losing out on a few of those big projects, but also winning the a, a big one as well, the, the state fair, set up Sedalia to be what it is today? Winning the state fair certainly gives us a name recognition. Sedalia, home of the Missouri State Fair. It provides a sense of liveliness, if you will. The fair isn't just a matter of Sedalia's identity. Obtaining the fair in the early 20th century laid the groundwork for economic stability and growth in Sedalia. It's gone from a railroad town to an industrial town. Sedalia has a manufacturing sector, several small businesses, and a Tyson plant that employs about 1,700 people. People drive to Sedalia every single day from 10 different counties to find work. That's Jessica Craig, the Sedalia Pettis County Executive Director for Economic Development. She says the local economy has remained stable, even in tough times worldwide. Throughout the recession, we've not lost a major manufacturer or major employer. For a rural city with a population of 21,000, that's a big deal. And that speaks to our strong business retention efforts. Keeping businesses is one thing. Attracting them in the first place is another. Nucor, the largest producer of steel in the U.S., decided in 2017 to build a new steel mill in Sedalia. 250 jobs are coming with it. An executive with the company said he knew this was the town and could tell the workforce was really, really good. And even though railroads aren't Sedalia's backbone anymore, Jessica says rail access was a factor in Nucor's decision. It might not matter to locals now, but Sedalians of the late 19th century would care to know that Sedalia's population exceeds Warrensburg and Kirksville by a few thousand each. Even so, it is almost exactly half the size of Jefferson City. Sedalia's prosperity is tangible, even if it isn't quite what John Bothwell envisioned. What do you think he would say if he saw Sedalia today? I think in many respects he would be pleased at the economic growth. I think he would be a little bit surprised at the apathy because there is a great deal of apathy in Sedalia. Bothwell did so many things to improve Sedalia, and today he's mostly just known as the guy who built the house on the hill. He doesn't even have a Wikipedia page. Fortunately, they do teach history in Sedalia. I am Zach Van Dievender. I teach American history and Missouri history at Sedalia Smith Cotton High School. Zach is one of three teachers at Smith Cotton who intersperses local history throughout the curriculum in parallel with whatever part of national history the class is covering. Every year, he shows the class a video from the Sedalia Chamber of Commerce about the history of the city. It's called Share the Journey, 150 Years of the Sedalia Adventure. As expected, the video has a pretty big segment about the state fair, but it doesn't really talk about capital removal. And Zach said that's not really discussed in class either. Maybe it's not out there, and it's maybe kind of a, an embarrassment. But he said teaching kids about the less than successful parts of their hometown's history might be a good thing. Everyone's got a black eye in history, but it might even be, oh man, we, we did fail on this, but hey, here's our pride and joy, I guess. 
I think even within our local history, it's maybe, maybe throw out those black eyes and maybe figure out how did we learn and how did they overcome that? You want to talk about your accomplishments, but how do you learn from your defeats? Learning from defeats is part of how Sedalia ended up with the state fair. If it hadn't tried the capital removal effort, it probably would have campaigned for the fair a bit differently. If that had happened, would Sedalia still have been chosen? While there may not be a capital brothel or a capital baseball team in Sedalia, there is a state fair community college and a state fair community services agency, a state fair floral shop, and a state fair sheep pavilion. Show Me the State is produced at KBIA at the Missouri School of Journalism. Tess Verbin produced this episode. The supervising producer and reporter is me, Christopher Husted. Our managing editor is Ryan Fumuliner. Our theme music and original scoring was created by Columbia band Loose Loose. Special thanks in this episode to our newspaper voice actors, Takia Thomas and Roger Kowalski. Thanks also to the Reynolds Journalism Institute and to the Kinder Institute on Constitutional Democracy.